This is Samuel's Persiflage, episode number 7 for August 2006. to another episode of Samuel's Persiflage. Samuel Gordon-Stewart here with you for the month of August. And today we're going to look mostly at a very Canberra-centric issue. It's the 39 school closures proposed in the recent ACT budget. I'll interview a couple people about that. Some very interesting things in, in all of that. It's a very interesting subject and one that's close to a lot of people's hearts, including my own. We've also got uh, persiflage puzzle, there's some feedback, uh, there's a few other things to do as well, so we'll go through that. This is Samuel's Persiflage. Earlier this year, the ACT government handed down a budget which included proposals to close 39 schools. On the list of closures was Canberra's only college in the inner north, Dixon College. Mike Hettinger is the administrator of the Save Dixon College email list. Mike, welcome to the program. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Samuel. Pleased to be here. So what was your reaction when you heard that Dixon College was going to close? It was absolute shock and amazement. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe that the the only college in the inner north was even being considered for closure. Uh, it, it, it performed such a vital uh, you know, function in the community. I, I just couldn't believe that it was even being considered, even in an ambit claim. Hmm. Now, you ran for election in, when was it? Um, the last four. 2004. Yeah. So at the last uh, ACT election, you ran for the Labor Party, who are currently the governing party. So being a, a Labor person, did this change your mind about the people who were in power? Well, I, I actually felt that I was running as a Labor candidate on core Labor values. That my, the theme of my campaign was a smarter, greener Canberra. And I believe in that really strongly, uh, not only in the campaign, but since. And I feel that uh, in, in that campaign and since I've stood for core labor values. So uh, I actually feel that I'm uh, representing not only uh, uh, voters, but members of the Labor Party who do believe in that, do believe in in a strong public education system. Uh, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't assume that because uh, this budget was handed down that everyone in the Labor Party agrees that public education should be cut. And I think the recent Labor Party conference showed that because there was a lot of uh, a lot of people against the closures. Oh, definitely. In fact, uh, th- there was a lot of argument about it, and uh, I think that if the vote had actually taken place before lunch rather than after lunch, I think the vote would have actually gone uh, positively our way. Mm. So... Just speaking hypothetically for a moment, if it had gone our way, 
uh, and that is if people had said we want more time before these closures take place, before any closure can take place, how do you think that would have impacted the government? Do you think that would have actually then been tabled in the Assembly that, yes, we are going to hold off on this? Well, I think it would have given them an honourable way out, if you, if, if, uh, for lack of a better term. I think that uh, that would have provided a, a justification to say, look, I think uh, we, we need to take a good hard look at all of the facts. I think we need to, you know, that they, we need to consult with the community and get them on board first before we make any major decisions. Um, I'm hoping that that's what it would have, would have, uh, had them do. I, I can't guarantee that, but uh, it certainly would have been a strong message in that direction. Okay. So, why do you think, of all the colleges in Canberra, why do you think Dixon College was, was the one that was chosen? I still don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wish I knew. Uh, I, I'm hoping that maybe it's part of an ambit claim that might be drawn back. Uh, I think that uh, I couldn't see any rational reason for Dixon to be to be shut down. I think there was one argument given that uh, uh, that there were a number of a lot of students from outside the air like Gungalan and they'd be opening up a, a college in Gungalan. But uh, the facts are that there's only a small number of students at Dixon from Gungalan, so that really is not a justification to shut it down. So again, I'm 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 still absolutely surprised, and I have yet to see a valid reason uh, that could be used to justify shutting it down. Yeah, one of the reasons that was um, was mentioned was that Dixon College is supposedly uh, under capacity, but I think that that was based on data that's not only out of date but also incorrect because you can't fill up a classroom every moment of every single day. Well, I think part of the whole problem, and then again, that's the problem with lack of consulting with the community beforehand. If, if, if uh, the government had consulted with the community beforehand, they, they would have been much more likely to come up with numbers that would have been accurate and re reflected reality. I think the fact that uh, the, they came out with, a, uh, with these numbers and uh, they're quite quite easily disputed shows that there wasn't much homework done beforehand and uh, the whole basis uh, behind uh, some of these actions are just unsound. Mm. And then of course there's the um, there's the fact that there's three three uh, colleges in the Belconnen area, none of them are planned to be closed yet quite a few of them are actually under under capacity and quite seriously under capacity. Yeah, well, I think it, yeah, I think in in that case, I think it's 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 about again <clears throat> going consulting with the community beforehand so that you know exactly what the issues are and what the comparative strengths and weaknesses are of of each institution, and and it's pretty apparent to me that that hasn't been done. Hmm. I'll I'll give you my theory about the school closures, and I'll I'll see what your response to it is. Mm -hmm. Uh. When I saw the headline that 39 schools were planned for closure, I just thought 39 being about a third of the schools in Canberra just sounds like a number that's plucked out of thin air. What I thought at the time was the ACT government have maybe a smaller number of schools that they want to close, and they learnt from, from last year's example with... Uh, with uh, I've forgotten the name of the high school in the Balconan area that they wanted to close. There was a serious public backlash to that. So they thought, 
we can say we'll close 39 schools, then we'll only close the ones we really want to close, and we'll turn around and say, hey, aren't we wonderful? We're only closing these ones, and all of the rest of you can be very happy. Mm -hmm. what, yeah, I think... Yeah, go on, sorry. What's your reaction to that? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised that that was uh, part, of, uh, part of the strategy. I think that uh, I've seen before where, uh, again, it's an ambit claim. There'll you know, they'll, mm. they'll, they'll be a claim of a, a very large number, uh, and then after a consultation process, whatever that may be, the, the number will be reduced and there'll be, you know, pe you know, people will, the idea is that people will feel reasonably relieved or maybe even happy about it. It's like uh, being hit really hard at first and then, then they only hit you slightly and you feel relieved rather than uh, angry that you got hit in the first place. But I think in this case, it, I think the strategy is backfiring. Mm. I, I think people are going to retain the anger, for even just the fact that there was the goal to even, even propose 39 schools to be shut down. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, you're the administrator of the Save Dixon College uh, mailing list, so you've you've obviously seen quite a lot of mail coming and going about the Dixon College closure in particular. How do you think the public has reacted? You just said that you think the plan has backfired. What do you think the public reaction has been? Well, I think it's been quite quite negative. I, I think it's and, and it's angry too. And I think what's even more important, uh, it's the sector of the public that's been angered. The the, the, it's the sector of the public that uh, supports public education. They tend to be consistent labor voters, hmm. and uh, they feel they've been betrayed. Uh, I, I think that, uh, and I think that when you feel that you've been betrayed, I think the anger that you feel is going to be much more intense. Than if you had been wronged by a group or or someone that you actually expected it from, mm. and and I think that is probably you know, the 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 single biggest uh, um, <clears throat> factor behind the intensity of the anger that I've seen, and it's it's not just Dixon; it's all across the community. Yeah, the Ast uh, we're recording this on Thursday night, so today. Um the Australian Education Union's ACT branches had uh, one electorate of, of schools, all public school teachers have gone on strike, mostly because of a pay claim, but also they've included in the strike uh, the school closures. The teachers aren't happy about it either because obviously it would, it would lose jobs for them. How do you think the teachers have reacted? Oh, well, of course, I think they're, they're angry as well. I mean, they're, they're looking at... Uh they're looking at a shrinking of, of the public education system. I think that the, what they see is, is, uh, with the, with the closures that the, their futures are going to be impacted because obviously with school closures, that means that the jobs will be going as well. And I, I think I, I need to mention that there has been a, uh, a justification for the closures provided that says, well, uh, we have to close these schools in order to save the public education system. And and to me, uh, it, it's, it's a pretty amazing logic. In other words, they're saying they want to close schools to stem the flow into private schools. And yet, I think that the actions that are being taken could actually accelerate it. And it, in some ways, the, the, the language being used saying we need to cut public education in order to save it is a bit like what we used to hear in Vietnam War saying that we had to destroy the village in order to save it. Mm. I think that's exactly what's happening, and I think the teachers see that. They're, 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 they're obviously well-educated, and they know what's going on.
Mm. And the teachers, of course, um, being professional teachers, not only are they interested in their own jobs, but they also have a passion for, for educating, um, educating our children. So with, uh, with less schools and more students in, in larger schools and probably therefore larger class sizes, they're going to feel the pressure and then they obviously feel they're not going to be able to do their job as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, <clears throat> I think that they, um, they, they are passionate about what they want to do and they want to be able to do a good job. And in some ways, I, I think they probably feel that, um, that they're probably being taken advantage of precisely because they have that passion. In other words, the idea is that, well, they're, they're going to stay in the job anyway because they love their job, so we can pay them less and we can reduce their conditions. Hmm. So just just to wrap up, because uh, we are sort of running close to time, uh, what can people do to if they want to help save the schools? Well, I, I think it's, it's a matter of uh, acting strongly locally. Uh, any, if, if it's about a particular school, certainly join uh, with your uh, PNC council. And uh, if, if there is a, a, a committee, such as with Dixon, there's a Save Dixon College Committee, uh, certainly uh, approach the committee and, and, and let them know that you're interested. Uh, I think I think that's probably the most important is, is being able to organize at a at a at a grassroots level, hmm. and I, I think obviously there's there's going to be con- consultations going on as well. I mean it'd be good to provide a submission to uh, to the process because every submission counts. Uh, I think it's but I think it is extremely important to make sure that everyone's well organized at a grassroots level because. This is the sort of thing that uh, it, it's more than just providing a submission. It is really about providing the energy and making uh, making the politicians know that the community is really angry and that this isn't just a passing thing. I think there's an assumption made that, uh, uh, you know, this will all blow over in six or seven months and everyone will, will forget about it and they'll just come right back and be nice and happy. Well, if if people don't feel that way, they need to make that position known and they need to sustain it. It's extremely important to be able to sustain your activity and that goes all the way up to the next election. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned that because it is 2006 now. The next election isn't until 2008. Timing does seem a little convenient, doesn't it? Uh, indeed. I, I think that's uh, part of the strategy. Mm. Mike, thank you very much for your time. Uh, you're welcome, Sam. I appreciate it. Now we'll go to Alison Zanetti, who has had two of her children go through Dixon College, and she's hoping another one will go through in 2010. Alison, welcome to the program. Hello, hi. Thanks. So, why why are you opposed to the closure of Dixon College? Well, I think that there, you know, it's going to really limit the options, I guess, for us, rather than um, increase the options. I think the the college system that's here in the ACT is a fantastic system and um, from what I've heard in other states the kids that come out of our college system are considered by when they go to unis etc are considered to be much more mature and much more able to cope with study at, um, at the 
uh, university level because they've been used to operating more at that mature level. Without mm. the, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people who are from out of the state, well, out of the territory and even from out of the country don't necessarily understand is that our college system is different to our high school system because the high school is very much a high school. It's very, very rigid, whereas the college is sort of a cross between high school and, and tertiary education. That's right, that's right. And children, the, you know, the kids that go there, have to be responsible for a lot of their own learning. Hmm. So Dixon College is the only college in the inner north. That's right. For your... You know, if, sorry, oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, if, if Dixon was to close, um, I think that the next closest college for us would be uh, at Ginandera, which would be an enormous uh, impost on trying to get my child there every day. Uh, and from what I understand, that college already is um, at capacity. So I'm not quite sure where else Nina could, you know, my younger daughter could go uh, to, to access the college. Mm. I'd probably suggest it'd probably be Copeland College, but that's even further away. And right. that brings up another subject because Copeland College is one of three colleges in the Belconnen area, and most of them are under capacity. I mean, Copeland is, is very low on capacity on students, rather. So you'd think it would make more sense to close one in Belconnen rather than the only one in the inner north. Absolutely, absolutely. The, and the suggestion of um, making Campbell High go from year 7 to 12, I think, is just is a, is a ridiculous um, suggestion in that it's one of the reasons the government's put it forward is that it's meant to be offering us choice, but in fact it's absolutely limiting our choices. It's certainly not a system that I want for um, my child. I think that's one of the beauties of the uh, system here in the ACT in restricting, uh, in breaking up the children from uh, 12 years of age to those who are sort of 17 and 18 is fantastic. You know, the um, children in year seven. I mean, in many states, like in WA, etc., children don't even go into high school until they are in year eight, the equivalent of year eight here because they're considered to be too young. And I think the, the concept, the idea to, to bring little 12-year-olds closer to 17 and 18-year-olds is certainly going to uh, make their introduction into high school much, much more difficult. Mm. I, I remember in Year 7 it was hard enough having all the Year 9s and Year 10s and even the Year 8s there. It was, that was hard enough, but That's having right. Year 11 and 12 would just yeah. make it worse. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. The other thing about the... Um, the Campbell 7 to 12 proposal is there's really not enough room at Campbell. I mean, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I actually went there just recently when they had their open school night there. And, um, you know, both my uh, elder children went to Campbell, so I am reasonably familiar with it. And certainly, I mean, they would have, certainly have to build onto the school. And the grounds, I don't think there's enough room in the grounds there to really provide the, the, the sort of setup that you would imagine that uh, year 11 and 12 would need. Parking is a huge issue around that school as well. The, um, with the War Memorial ever growing and CSIRO also um, just there, I, I don't think it's a good area at all. I also found that um, having the civic within walking distance of the school a real a really bad thing for uh, a lot of the kids that go to Campbell because they in the afternoon um, with all parents of course being at work these days and not a, not having somebody at home to mind they mind them. Kids are at a loose end after school and they wander down to Civic, which, you know, I think 
can put them in, in all sorts of risks. Mm. To the same to the same extent, uh, Dixon College is actually closer to the Dixon shops than Campbell High is to the Civic shops. But by the time they're at college, this you'd think they'd be more responsible than they are when they're in high school. Absolutely, absolutely. Hmm. So, any other thoughts on the on the proposed closure? Um, or a message well, for I mean, ob- the government? Uh, obviously, the you know, I mean, that, that one of the things about Dixon too is it's just had a huge um, bit of overhaul there. You know, they've got um, fantastic setup. I guess I'm concerned. What are they going to do with that? Um, with all the facilities there, if they don't, if they do close it, I'm not sure what the intention, what the you know, they think that they might use that building for. Well, the messages the are for. very mixed there because the government originally said they wouldn't sell off the land, and recently the chief minister said that he wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, you know, I can imagine a whole lot more sort of apartments or something going there, which I really don't think this area needs at all. No. Um, you know. If we and the other thing, of course, is that we're forever trying to sort of encourage more families to move to Canberra, and surely closing down um, the college, is, you know, in the inner north here, is certainly not going to help encourage young families to move here. Mm. Uh, especially when you consider, if they do close down the all the thirty-nine schools they've proposed, mm. if they were then to sell off that land and put houses on it, where are all the kids are going to go that end up moving into those houses? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's sort of a cutting off their nose to spite their face mm. is how I feel. Yeah. And, you know, for, um, I'll say it, I've been a strong Labor voter all my life. If, um, if, but if they close Dixon, I will not vote for um, the Labor Party and it will be the first time. So, But I couldn't, couldn't possibly vote for them when I feel that they're sort of being so small-minded and um, has ha- seemed to have no vision about the real future. Mm, I think it's a message that a lot of Canberra residents are expressing to the government. Yeah, well, let's hope that they're listening. Well, we can only hope. Alison, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Samuel's Bills of Life. it's time to have another look at the persiflage puzzle now. As I said, it's a very important measurement. It's uh, probably one of the most important measurements uh, around, actually. So that's a a bit of a clue, but we should probably draw a few more letters out for you so that you can have a bit more of a chance of working out what this is. So we'll draw four letters out of the hat this time around. So, let's see, the first letter out is the letter D for dog. And it happens to be the third letter in the second word. So, we'll we'll draw another letter out now, and it's the letter B for Bob. And it doesn't look like there are any of those in the puzzle. So, we'll draw out another letter now, and it is the letter K for kite. Hmm. Can't find any of those in the puzzle either, so we'll put that to one side and try for one more letter. And it's the letter I for India. 
And the letter I for India is in the puzzle. It's the seventh letter of the first word. So it's beginning to take shape. Hmm. See if you can work out what it is. Well, we'll put a few more letters into the puzzle very soon. Samuel's Perzivlage is the feedback. Send your emails to podcast at samuelgordonstewart.com. Yes, that's right. It's time for the Samuel's Persiflage listener feedback. And of course, you can send me written feedback to podcast at samuelgordonstewart.com or spoken feedback to there as well in either MP3 or WAVE or OGVORBUS format. Or the probably the easiest way to send audio feedback is to go to the Samuel's Persiflage website and click on the Send Spoken Feedback link, which will take you to another page which will record the uh, the feedback for you and send it straight to me. So that's, that's probably the easiest way to do it. But let's go through some of the feedback from this month. We'll start with uh, an email from Clayton. Clayton writes, Samuel, thank you for your mention of our correspondence pertaining to the discussion we had about Samuel's persiflage number five in Samuel's persiflage number six. Does Clayton work for the public service by any chance? Because that really sounded like one of their documents. Clayton continues, I would like to reiterate the competency and quality of the program Avast that you endorsed in the same episode. It is an extremely apt and capable antivirus software. Well, I'm glad you think so, Clayton, because I happen to like that one as well. Of course, last month I did uh, give a passing mention to Avast Antivirus, um, which is, a, for the most part anyway, it's a free program and it seems to do a very good job. I'm quite happy with it. Of course, that's when I'm on Windows. When I'm not on Windows, I don't really have to worry about it as much. Clayton continues, uh, Further, I would like to echo your sentiments on the stupid people who choose to call 1900 numbers after returning the supposed missed call on their mobile phone. One must be particularly daft not to realise this phone scam, as it is only the mobile version of the landline scam that has been doing the rounds for a few years prior. I believe we need to clean up this scam-based society for the ill-informed youth and naive adults that carry mobile phones. Those people are susceptible to this scam. If yourself and your legions of listeners send in messages to Telstra, to Optus, to Senator Helen Coonan containing a voice of complaint and the offending number with your support, this endeavour could very well be achieved. Well, thank you, Clayton, for that. It's um, certainly an interesting suggestion. I wonder, would it really stop the missed call scam? I mean, it's so easy for those companies to just do that that I have to wonder if it really would make any difference whatsoever. But, well, maybe it would. I mean, it's already illegal, um, the mass dialing that they're doing, so perhaps it would help. But uh, whether it would or not, I mean, who really knows? Harry sends in an email um, referring to... Referring to last month's uh, thought for the month, I might just replay that for you. Alrighty then, time for a thought for the month. Why is it that a surplus is a surplus, but a deficit is not a surminus? So Harry has some feedback for us about that. It's um, interesting. 
Harry writes, Hi Samuel, a surplus is a surplus, but a deficit is a surnegative, which doesn't roll off the tongue as easily as deficit. The reason it is a surnegative is that we refer to numbers below zero as negative numbers, not minus numbers. But now that I think about it, perhaps a surplus should be a surpositive. I give up. Harry. Well, thank you for that, Harry. Um, yeah, I think we all give up. Does it really matter? I mean, they might be negative numbers, but we we rarely ever... I mean, I suppose actually it depends on how you were brought up as to whether you refer to it as a negative one or a minus one. I don't think it really matters. We all know what we mean, I hope. I know I do. Ice block, or at least someone pref uh, referring to themselves as Ice Block has sent in some audio feedback. Let's have a listen. Yo, that's money. The person flies is the bomb. Word. Yes, all right. Thanks for that. Uh, that's probably uh, one of the reasons why talk radio has producers to screen the calls so they don't end up with that. And uh, continuing on from that one, we have some very strange feedback from someone calling themselves Neatai. I don't know whether we should read this out or not. Call out Garanga be happy. Garanga, Garanga, Garanga. That which brings the highest happiness. What on earth are you going on about, Neatai? I don't know why. Why did I even bother to print that one out and read it? I don't know. If you've got some sensible feedback, you can send it to podcast at samuelgordonstewart.com. Or uh, spoken feedback to the same address, or click on the send spoken feedback link. Speak. Send spoken feedback link on the Samuel's Persiflage website. It's, I don't know why I got all of this strange feedback this month. Some of it was good. Maybe we can get some more of the good feedback next month. That would be great. <laughs> Recently, uh, Bill Grady from the You Are The Guest podcast uh, interviewed me and the interview formed the uh, 52nd episode of You Are The Guest. thought I might share some highlights of that with you now. Welcome to You Are The Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 52 of You Are The Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Today, our guest comes all the way from Australia. Samuel, welcome to You Are The Guest. Thanks for having me, Bill. Why do you feel that people need to blog? Uh, I think there are just some people who have information that they want to share with the world, whether it be completely trivial information about what they did that day to whether it might be something of some significance, such as, I know I'm currently following the progress of some of the uh, constructions around Canberra. Um, but I just think some people like to share information with with other people, and blogging is a 
convenient way to do it. See if you agree with this statement. Is it true that there are such things as forum bullies? Yes. And could you give me an example? There are just there are people there who I don't know why, but they have this this notion that whatever they're doing is obviously something that they should be doing and that everyone else in the world agrees with them. And anyone who doesn't agree with them or has a slightly different way of blogging to them or a slightly different way of expressing themselves is just a person they can target and target consistently. And one of the things that, that amazes me, especially with local and state government, is that when you meet some of these politicians in person, you walk away asking yourself, why were they considered the best person for the job? Was there nobody else to take their position? Do you find that the same in Australia? Oh, absolutely. Samuel, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you get to ask me three questions about anything. What's the, the weirdest dream that you've had that you can remember? My mom and my dad were together in their house, and they were remodeling their house. But as they were remodeling their house, they built the sidewalk that comes in front of the yard to go through the middle of their house. So in other words, the neighbors, when they would walk their dog or whatever, instead of going past the front of the house, would have to go right through the middle of the house. So instead of doorways, they just had this big hallway. And neighbors were going right you know, through the middle of their house and... You know, they people would sometimes take their shoes off, you know, so they wouldn't get the carpet dirty. But, I, you know, I'm going in this dream. I'm going, Dad, what are you doing? Why would you put the sidewalk through the middle of the house? Why wouldn't you put the sidewalk in the front of the house so people don't have to walk through the house? And, of course, you know, they didn't see anything wrong with that in the dream. Samuel, thank you so much for being our guest this week on You're the Guest. It's my pleasure, Bill. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youwertheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. So certainly go to uh, youaretheguest.com. There'll be a link in the show notes, of course, if you'd like to have a listen to the full episode there. I actually found that interview to be quite interesting. We uh, touched on a few other topics as well. So uh, worth a listen if you've got some time. I I certainly enjoyed the interview. Anyway, it's time to have another look at the persiflage puzzle. And this time around, we might have... uh, Well, we might pull five letters out of the hat and see if that gets us anywhere. Let's start with the letter X for X-ray. Well, that's not in the puzzle. not surprised. It's not in many of them. One of these days, we'll have to put it in there. Just on purpose, I'll, I'll make a puzzle which has the letter X, and then I'll just have to hope I pull it out of the hat, because if I don't, it'd just be a bit of a waste of time, wouldn't it? Uh, next letter out is the letter N for Nathan, and that happens to be the fifth letter of the first word, and uh, the eighth letter of the second word. 
Next letter out is the letter T for Tom, which is the third letter of the first word, as well as the sixth letter of the first word. Gee, that, um, that word's certainly coming along, isn't it? Hmm. All right, let's have another letter now, and it's the letter A for Apple. It's another letter in the first word. It's the eighth letter of the first word. Well, that, that word's starting to look very obvious now, isn't it? And let's pull out another letter now. It's the letter P for Peter. I don't believe it. It's another letter in the first word. It's the first letter of the first word. Well, if you can't work out what that letter is, <laughs> that word is, then I don't know where you are. But certainly that's the first letter of the first word, so that word's incredibly obvious now. And as I said, this is uh, a very important measurement, possibly one of the most important. So, um, well, I think you might be able to work this one out. I might have given this one away. Let's see how you go. Good luck with that. We'll uh, have the answer just a little bit later on. It's time for the thought for the month, and, well, this one's not as concise as they usually are. Usually all of these thoughts of the month are very quick and concise, and so far they all seem to have been a bit of a play on words, but this month it's not. This one uh, is a bit longer, and, well, recently uh, something has been on my mind for quite a few times this month, actually, it is how subjective temperatures are, because... I mean, temperatures, we have some temperatures that we regard as being hot and other temperatures we regard as being cold. But in reality, it's all very subjective. I mean, I'm often in contact with people in other parts of the country and sometimes even overseas. And, well, for, I'll give you an example. In Queensland, if it got down to two degrees, most people would be very, very cold. Whereas here, we probably still regard two degrees as being a bit nippy and a bit cold, but I personally find two degrees to be, well, not too bad at all. I mean, in winter anyway, it's very easy for me to to get off the bus when it's two degrees and the sun's shining and you think, gee, it's nice and warm today. And then, of course, I have a look at the uh, Bureau of Meteorology's website, and it's two degrees. And I think, okay, maybe it's not as warm as I thought, but it felt lovely. How can two degrees feel lovely and warm to someone in one part of the country, and yet somewhere else they'd feel like they were being frozen? I suppose it's all very subjective. We adapt to various temperatures very easily, and... I suppose, to, in fairness, if it was summer and it got down to two degrees, then yes, I'd be very, very cold. And also in winter, I'm probably wearing thicker and more clothing. So ultimately, it's uh, I'm going to be warmer regardless of what the temperature is than if it was summer and I was wearing less clothing, it would be um, I'd be just a little bit colder. 
So it's something that intrigues me, uh, how temperatures to one person, a certain temperature can be very hot or very cold, and yet to another person it can be just right. It's uh, temperature and the weather, it's a very interesting, very interesting subject. it might be worthwhile mentioning that uh, David Young, the host of the 2CC Gardening Show for um, about the last 10 years and then the host of the ABC local radio gardening show for about 12 years before that, and indeed the gardening correspondent for 10 Capital News when it was on here in Canberra, uh, he's retired. I thought I might mention that because... Uh, well, it was David who was the inspiration for the persiflage puzzle. Had a segment on his two double C show called The Thing. Well, not really a segment, just something that kept going right throughout the show. At the at the beginning of the show he'd give out uh well, much like I do with the persiflage puzzle, he'd say how many letters were how many words were there and how many letters were in each word and then throughout the show each caller would give him a letter and he'd tell them where those letters were in the puzzle and Eventually, someone would ring up and know what the puzzle's answer was, and they'd win a prize. Pretty simple, but uh, effective, and good bit of fun, and even kept those of us who might not have been overly excited by the gardening side of things, just kept us a bit interested as well. I, when I would listen, I would get out a pen and paper and uh, follow the puzzle and see if I could work it out before before it was announced. Always a bit of fun, but I thought I might mention that David has retired, and uh, I know that a number of people in Canberra will miss him because he's been, uh, well, he's been such a regular part of people's lives here for quite a while. And I know I'll miss him. I, I'll miss up, miss uh, waking up to him on a Saturday and Sunday morning. It's always, uh, always a pleasure to hear his uh, very relaxed voice on the radio on the weekend. So I'll certainly miss that. Uh, of course, the current persiflage puzzle, uh, I did mention that it's a very important measurement, and I think it's one that David probably would have mentioned quite a few times on his gardening show. I think he would have, because it's uh, one of those measurements that it probably does come up a fair bit in gardening. I think I've just given you another clue. I don't know whether I should have done that. I've probably just given it away completely now, but well, we'll see how you go. But David, uh, well, I was hoping to interview him in this episode, but, well, I don't know where he is, so it didn't quite happen. But, David, if you're listening, uh, drop me a line. I'd like to interview, at, interview you at some stage. Uh, Podcast at samuelgordonstuart.com is the email address, as you would probably know. But yeah, if you are listening, then do send me an email, because I would like to interview or interview you on a future episode. So yeah, but, uh, I do hope you enjoy your retirement, David. I know that a number of people in Canberra uh, hope that you enjoy your retirement. Yeah, there's that music again. Must mean it's time for me to go. 
Which indeed it does, because it is time for me to go. Well, did you get the persiflage puzzle? It was potential hydrogen level. Thought that gardening clue might give it away, actually. Uh, potential hydrogen level is often abbreviated to pH level. And as I did say, it's a very important measurement in gardening and also in ponds and various other things like that. It's one of the most important measurements we have, in fact. So uh, maybe you got that, maybe you didn't. Hope you did. Hope it wasn't too hard, but actually I think it was probably a bit too easy. But when those letters come out of the hat, well, I have to take them, don't I? Alright, well that's the episode for this month. I hope you enjoyed it. Of course you can send feedback to podcast at samuelgordonstuart.com or on the Samuel's Persiflage website, click on Send Audio Feedback. That should take you to the website where you can uh, record some audio feedback. Well, I hope I can hear from you and uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Well, hopefully I'll see you next month for another episode of Samuel's Persiflage. Until then, have a good month. Ta-da!